You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. All right, welcome to church. I missed you guys. Maya, don't shout. Maya, Maya went on social media. I said, Pastor David, Pastor David was so great today. I did not miss Poco at all. Small opportunity. Praise the Lord. It's things like that that used to make them transfer. Resident pastor. I'm just joking. The resurrection of Jesus is the crux of Christianity. Paul said, If Christ be not raised from the dead, we are still in our sins. If Christ be not raised from the dead, he said, we are of all men most miserable. There is no point to your faith without the resurrection of Jesus. So Easter Sunday is arguably the most important event in the Christian faith. The birth of Jesus was powerful. But if he was born and he was not, if he was born and he didn't die and was raised from the dead, it won't mean anything. He would just be another prophet. Like Isaiah, like Ezekiel, like Joel, just another prophet. Thank God for the resurrection of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So on a day like this, the temptation to make the day majorly about rise and events is very high but whilst you are eating whilst you are celebrating Easter I don't know if people still celebrate Easter as in celebrate, celebrate the way we celebrate Christmas like you cook at home if they are cooking in your house raise your hand, let me see wow, fantastic stuff fantastic stuff let me see who stays closest to me so that I will know what I am doing after service But beyond all of the felicitations, the eating, the greetings, the resting from your busy work schedule, there must be a celebration that he's alive. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's alive. Very glorious. In 2014, it was Easter Saturday. I went to bed and as it was transitioning into Easter Sunday, I had a vision, you know, before I woke up. And I saw what is the most beautiful vision I've ever seen in my life. There was this large stadium, and it was filled with people. And all they were singing was this song, Up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph over his foes, he arose in victory. He arose today to stay. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Hallelujah. Easter is not just about, you know, resting in the sense of war from your daily work schedule. But there's a greater rest that is more important. The rest that we bought because Christ paid the price. Are you getting what I'm saying? The fact that he that has come into Christ can rest from his works. 
that in Christ, there's, there's this part of this, this, um, him, hack the herald, that says that Christ was born, that man no more should die. He was born to give man a second chance. Hack the herald, angels sing, glory be to the newborn king. Praise the Lord. I was telling Pastor Fingy this morning that once, we're working on an album project now. And once, I told him once I'm done with this album, I will not write music for a while until I can write the way. Have you heard weighty words before in songs? This line from King of Kings by Hillsong, on the morning that he rose, all of heaven held its breath. For that stone was rolled for good, for the lamb had conquered death, and the, and, um, and the souls that were they, uh, and the souls rose from the grave as the angels stood in awe. For the blood of Jesus Christ, who has read, I can't remember all of it, but I was like, what, what in the name of songwriting is this? And, and not, not to this any song. There are times when we sing Elohim, Adonai, uh, and powerful song, right? Psalms, hymn, spiritual songs. But there are times when we take time and we sing songs that carry doctrine. Jesuja, Sheke, Sheke, Oh, Somidalaye, Ejere, Mm-hmm. Songs that makes that have meaning. Amen. Amen. Not every time. You are great. 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 <laughs> now again, nothing is wrong with that song. I will sing it here many times because there are times to sing songs like that. Amen. But if your diet does not consist of doctrine, your diet is missing a lot. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And many of the songs we sang as children made sense. Do you remember this, this nursery rhyme, Mary had a little lamb? Sing, let me hear. Now hold on. Hold on. If you you can, it's okay now. We know you went to two schools. When you were watching Bunny and Friends, we were watching Kali and Telwashu. So I don't really know. Rest of you know Kali and Telwashu. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Or Magic School Bus. If you, if you, if you, you know what, let's skip that. The reason I asked you to sing the Little Lamb song is if you check online, you would see um, many of these nursery rhymes had um, hidden meanings, right? So, you know what? Let me spoil your childhood a little bit. After this meeting, just check 
hidden meanings from nursery rhymes. Just go online and search. I won't tell you anything. Some had good hidden meanings, like Mary had a little lamb. Right? But some, like ring around the roses, a basket full of poses. That's... <laughs> go on, check. But the point is, as believers, your diet must consist of doctrine. You can't, you can't just listen to music because the beat is nice. The melody is very compelling. So there's a, ah, every time I hear him, I don't know, there's something about him that pulls me to him. That is good. Do you hear what I'm saying? But doctrine is doctrine regardless of where it's coming from. There was, there was a conversation on the internet a couple of weeks ago where people were saying things like, um, you can, there's a way you will listen to a person singing and you will know that what they are singing is not their lifestyle. You shouldn't listen to such people. So you have a gospel artist who is singing a gospel song, but maybe he's living a contradictory life, you know, from what he is singing. So you shouldn't listen to the song because the spirit of the person is infused in the song. Let me tell you two things. Number one, Jesus said, if you do not praise me, I will raise stones. So it didn't matter where the praise was coming from. The most important thing that was, was that praise came. Number two, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are not ordinary. They are spirits and they are life. There is no spirit greater than the spirit that backs the word. So if a man sings the word with a negative spirit, the spirit of the word of God will submit. See, that negative spirit will submit to God's word. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Doctrine is doctrine regardless of where it's coming from. The word of God is the word of God regardless of where it is coming from. So how do you discern? You look at the person and say, the way this guy is dressing, it's like this thing that he's singing is not really affecting his life. You know, because we choose to descend by such meager means, we always get very surprised when we find out that somebody who we had discerned in high esteem was actually only human. Let me tell you something. There is no minister of God that perfectly lives out what he preaches. Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Do you hear me? You will preach holiness. You will try to live holy. But guess what? You will make mistakes. So John said, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father. The very fact that we have an advocate with the Father is that it shows us that the Father anticipates the need for the advocate. If you need an advocate, your pastor needs two. Sometimes more than you because of you. <laughs> Someone did something that hurt me a couple of weeks ago. A member of this church. The person didn't even know they had done this. And I didn't want to tell anybody that you did XYZ. But for weeks, it stayed on my heart. I said, ah, who go? You preach forgiveness. Let go of this thing. You know when you now start saying God have mercy. And the God have mercy is not God forgive me. It's God help me through this thing. Because if you leave me the way I'm going. I will never let go of this person. 
praise the Lord. So you don't discern, I don't know why, this is not today's teaching. You don't discern um, music, but I don't like, there's, there's a vibe I'm getting. Vibes are not tools for discernment. Do you hear what I'm saying? First, we start from the words. Amen. Amen. Notice, when Paul was teaching, he said, this is how you will know the Antichrist. He didn't say, if you look at him. First of all, his best color will be black. Because why will anybody that is not Antichrist like black? So his best color will be black. Number two, look at his face. He will be a very fine person. He will have so much following. And then if you look at his forehead, there will be two pimples here. Don't be deceived. Those pimples are horns in disguise. Notice Paul never said any of this. Paul said, by this you will know the spirit of the Antichrist. Anyone that professes that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh is of God. Anyone that professes not is not of God. Are you with me? So how do we discern? We start from the truth of scripture. What are you saying? What are you saying? I know you do and power will flow. But what, what exactly are you teaching? What do you profess? It's not by power. There are different powers in different places. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a portion of scripture that says that thank God that Christ is coming soon. Because if he does not come soon, the very elect will be deceived. <laughs> you know who the Bible was referring to as the very elect? The disciples who they will be deceived. So we can't base our, our discernment of spiritual things on vibes. There's, there's a way I, you know, there's a way I feel about this person. It does not feel right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, every Christian practice is taught. Every Christian practice is taught. Discernment is taught. You do not automatically learn how to be discerning. Every Christian practice is taught. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 says, From a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. It says, All scripture is given, verse 16, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for number one, doctrine, that's teaching. Number two, for reproof. Number three, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be truly furnished, perfect and complete unto every good work. So even when the Bible calls you to righteous and holy living, the Bible does not ask you to assume righteous and holy living. Are you with me? The Bible is telling you that the scriptures will teach you what holy living looks like. So, we, we don't learn holy living by assumptions. This is why we have seducing spirits today. Now, I said seducing spirits and your mind went somewhere. Especially if you are very frequent, a frequent watcher of Nollywood movies. Seducing spirits is usually a lady who seeks to speak to the pastor alone. Then she will enter the pastor's office and start to you know, request things that the pastor cannot grant. She's usually light-skinned. If you are dark-skinned, you are disqualified. The devil cannot use you. Can you do a search media team 
for that scripture where Paul, Paul's warning. I think it's First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I'm not very sure. But that scripture, is that it? Thank you. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Okay, so now you know that seducing spirits is not about sexual seduction. But it's more about doctrine of devils. Now the next thing you begin to think is the doctrine of devils is referring to here is how you should go and live anyhow you like. Forgive me. You should go and live anyhow you like. Do whatever you want. Because Christ has paid the price. First of all, if anybody speaks like that, that person is not preaching the gospel to you. Are we together? Yes. However, when you read in context, you realize what the doctrine of the devils is talking about. Is here. Verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with hot iron. Again, we've used this scripture to refer to people who live lasciviously. Am I correct? Who live anyhow. Look at verse 3. Everybody read together, one to go. Do you realize that what Paul is referring to here now as seducing spirits is false practices of holiness that are not founded within the teachings of Scripture? Are you with me? That's what Paul is calling seducing spirits. So, yes, it is wrong to preach lasciviousness. I've said it before. Any preacher that says Christ has paid the price, do you know that because of the work of Christ, if the trumpet sounds and you are in the bed of fornication, you will, you will be you will eject and go to heaven. Any preacher that talks like that is, you are, something is wrong with you. I'm saying it's very categorically. So I mean, why is the Christian on the bed of fornication to begin with? However, the other extreme, where we begin to insist on teachings the Bible does not teach, begin to uphold teachings of holiness that the Bible has not taught, when we begin to insist on things like that, Paul refers to that as seducing spirits. He says, when they forbid you to eat meat, you can't eat this. You can't eat this. If you eat this, it is a sin. If you do this, it is a sin. Things that the Bible has not expressly taught. He calls it seducing spirit. He calls it a doctrine of devils. This is why you can't just assume things in the Christian faith. Practices in the Christian faith are learned. Do you understand? It must be line upon line, precept upon precept. Including prayer. I taught this, you know, at the Abuja Church last week. Sounds nice to say that, right? Yeah. I taught this at the Abuja Church last week, Sunday. So let me use it to introduce my teaching and then I'm flowing to the Easter message. I won't waste time, I promise. I will try not to waste time. That's a promise I can keep. When you were young, in morning devotion, you were, you were just young. Then one day, the shared devotion Rostan gave you. That is your turn to lead devotion today. And kudos to parents that fought hard to bring us up in the way of the Lord. Many of you, you know where you would have been 
If your parents do not put in that amount of effort, in fact, with the efforts that they put in, Selah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So they will say, lead prayer. And then you are wondering to yourself, lead what? I, have, I don't know. They will tell you to lead the whole devotion, including preaching. Now God saved you. You got open heavens. Thank God for open heavens. And uh, our daily manner. Thank God for those, because many of us have embarrassed ourselves. <laughs> Amen. You got open heavens, you read the passage of the day, and then you finish reading, you say, what this passage is trying to tell us is that. Then you start repeating words that the Jew said in the open heavens. See, this is why you must never pull down or insult men like that that have really lived. But think of the fact that many of our devotional lives growing up were directed and shaped by one man's labor. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Then it gets to prayer time. Then you now start, everlasting father, king of ages, I am that I am the ancient of this. You are doing this to waste time because usually when your mom prays, it usually lasts 10 minutes. For you, you know that if I say everything I know how to say, 30 seconds. <laughs> so now you start doing that thing you do when you're writing English essays. Then you start to put in words you don't need to put in. Because so instead of writing because, you write as a result of or consequence to. Say, everlasting Father, King of glory, I am that I am the ancient of days. We give you praise, Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Daddy of the Daddyless, the Father of the Fatherless. Then, then you will now say, We thank you for the ability to sleep and wake up. Many, many slept last night and did not wake up this morning, but we are in the land of the living. Daddy will say, Thank you. Father, in any way that we have sinned against you, what thought or the in, um, sins of omission, of commission, sins of depletion, re revision, knowingly and unknowingly? Hallelujah. Now, when you've exhausted, because they gave you a format, you start with thanksgiving, you ask for forgiveness, then you make your request. But the thing that you want to request, you cannot request it in front of your father and mother. So it's, it's, a, it's literally God who will talk later. But for now, Father, everyone that is inside the prison, that is inside the prison, and justly release them. We pray for those in the hospital. Am I saying the truth? Because we are never taught how to pray. Interestingly, this is the reason why, as adults, when you are in tough spots, you usually seek out someone else to pray for you. Because you are like, I've been winging this thing all my life. Now I really need prayer. So let me go and look for someone that knows how to do this thing. Because me, I'm not really good at it. You must be line upon line, precept upon precept. You, you, there is not instinctive. There's not, in fact, the entire teaching of the Christian faith is that you don't trust your instincts. <laughs> because what your flesh naturally wants is against what the spirit wants. In fact, this is why, because we're not taught how to pray, we don't have a right idea of what should constitute prayer. So, we were now taught that prayer is majorly about asking for things. 
you enter with thanksgiving. Then in case you've sinned, so that they don't kick you out after you've finally entered, you ask for forgiveness. Then move on to making your requests. But when you read Matthew, Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus says, when you pray, do not stand where you will be seen like the Pharisees. They, they pray so that people will see them. He says, if you do that, I, I assure you, you've gotten your reward um, already. He says, when you also pray, do not, do not seek to pray with many words. Because these people think that their many words is what will get them heard. So that's not how to pray. But when you pray, say, our Father, two times eleven, okay, who art in, in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. Do you see that? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. How, how do you marry that teaching on prayer with the way you've been praying? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you marry that with everlasting father? Forgive me my sins. Now I want this. <laughs> you see, there's a way, there's a proper teaching on prayer. And I want to start with the first thing Jesus taught us. He says, when you pray, say, our Father. There is something, we, we emphasize many things about prayer. And all the things we emphasize are correct. Some people emphasize where to pray. Like I, I asked in the Abuja church, raise your hand if you saw the movie War Room. Raise it above your head. Alright, drop your hand. Now raise your hand if after seeing the movie you decided to create your own war room. Put it above your head. Thank you for being honest. Where to pray? I have my prayer altar. Where I go to to pray. Raise your hand if that's also you or it was you at some point. Where I, I, I have a special place. My Bible is there. My, my note is there. Uh, that's my prayer altar. We emphasize where to pray. We emphasize when to pray. Morning prayers are great. Afternoon prayers are great. Praying before you sleep is great. But you see midnight prayers. My God. It's like when you start praying in the midnight, God in his infinite mercy says, what? What is going on? Let me tell you something. There is no special power in praying in the midnight. Hold on. Because your midnight is somebody else's morning. <laughs> are you with me? Uh -huh. Those of you that are doing long distance relationship, you know what I'm talking about. Because your boyfriend is waking up by 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., their own 8 o'clock is your own 2 a.m. So like a wicked person, you are up in the middle of the night talking unnecessary conversations over 2 to 4 a.m. You have work by 6. You have, or you have to leave home by 6 for the office. Uh, so there's no special prayer. Are you with me? Nothing is really special about or not. The midnight hour itself doesn't have specific power to make your prayers 
more effective. However, I do admit that if you do pray in the midnight, your prayers will be more effective. And here's why. It is akin to the effect that fasting has on your prayers. The fact that you deprive your physical body of essential pleasures to focus on spiritual things amplifies the power that those spiritual things would normally have. Are, are you with me? Uh -huh. So going hungry does not make God answer your prayers faster. But going hungry to focus on spiritual things makes you more effective in prayer. Are we together? So there's nothing, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray at midnight if you like, don't pray. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray in the midnight. I'm just saying, don't have the mindset that if I really want to see results, it has to be midnight prayers. So we emphasize when to pray. There's even an emphasis on how to pray. See, you, you must have heard statements like this, that this is not the time for gentleman prayer. When you put your hand in your pocket, this is the time to shout my father. Have you heard that before? Again, nothing wrong. Fervent prayer is a must. In fact, if a Christian must pray, he must pray fervently. And the word fervent, it, 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 it connotes, how many of you know what this word means? Effervescence. It's like when you boil water, that boiling that you see on top, that it begins to shake the kettle lid or the pot lid, that's effervescence. When Paul said, the, um, um, James said the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, the fervent there was to generate energy like boiling water. So, so when you are praying, generate and do, do you hear what I'm saying? Uh, praise the Lord. In fact, your normal prayer style should be the fervent one. The calming down, putting your hand in your pocket, or just talking to God should be the exception to the rule, not the other way around. Do you hear what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So, how to pray? Important teaching. But of all the things that are emphasized on in prayer, there is one that we don't emphasize a lot and is the most important one. It is who is praying. Because no matter the prayer posture, or the words used, or the time prayed, or the prayer position, or the place where the prayer was offered of a sinner, his prayers will always be an abomination unto God. Do you hear what I'm saying? When I say of a sinner, I'm not talking about one who is a believer, but, you know, sometimes makes mistakes. No, when the Bible talks about a sinner, it's talking about one who has not believed in God at all. No matter the position of I remember when I was in the university. So this young man called us for a prayer meeting. He told us it was going to be a stretch prayer meeting. So at the time, my knowledge of stretch prayer meeting was we'll pray one hour or two hours at most. I said, okay, I'm ready. I'll, I'll just go. And you know, when they tell you you're going to pray two hours, you just tell yourself that what's the worst that can happen? I'll just push myself through it. So I said, I will push myself through it. Meeting was for 6 a.m. So we started praying. By 8 o'clock, he said, we are switching gear. I said, sir, where are we switching gear to? Are we reversing? Are we going back down? Are we going up? Around 10, he said, in Jesus' name, we have prayed. I said, ah, oh, well. I will tell stories of how I've prayed four hours. 
straight. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Now we will begin to pray. And so I kid you not. So he took off his shirt. He was wearing this white underwear. He took off his shirt and hung it on one pole-like thing. You know, where we are praying. And said, hold your neighbor. Say, we will pray prayer. When we reached, I think when we reached the six-hour mark, I escaped. I said, God, you know I love you. But it's not me. See, if a sinner attended that meeting, the sinner's prayers will not be answered. And again, by sinner, I don't mean a Christian who makes mistakes. I mean, an unbeliever. It won't be answered. Because what the Bible teaches is that the prayer of a sinner is an abomination unto God. So the first thing about prayer that is important is who, who is praying. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In fact, if a chapter before that, I think it was Matthew chapter 7 or Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was teaching and he said, which one of you, being evil, will give his son stone when asked for bread? Or a snake when asked for fish? He said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more your heavenly father? It's a consistent part of Jesus' teaching on prayer. That we can pray because of the relationship we have with the person to whom we are praying. Are you with me? In James chapter 5, confess your faults one to another, verse 16. Pray ye one for another that you may be healed. He says the effectual fervent prayer. We usually stop there. We talk about effectual prayer, fervent prayer. But notice that he said it must be of a righteous man. Who is a righteous man? A righteous man is not one who is righteous because he has worked for his righteousness. None of us can. Do we agree? None of us can work for our righteousness. None of us can work to earn righteousness. You can't. I can't. Let's agree that we can't. So who is a righteous man? Romans chapter 4. Blessed is the man whose righteousness is not imputed unto him by works. Do you get this? Do you understand? So who is a righteous man? A righteous man is the one who is called righteous by God. Hallelujah. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. So because he took my sin, hallelujah, I took his righteousness. Are you with me? That's the beautiful exchange. He took my sin. I took his righteousness. Praise the Lord. And because I've been declared righteous by God, I can pray like a righteous person. There is an audacity that familiarity confers. Are, are you with me? There is an audacity that familiarity there's an audacity that familiarity confers on the person. I'm a pastor, some people know me outside of circle church. 
And so one day, allow me to share this story. Uzo. One day, I went to visit my sister in her house. She has her roommate. All right. Now, if you know my sister, you will know that she's a stubborn being. I'm the one holding the mic. You can't do anything to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so, we went to her house. Her roommate happened to know me outside of being her roommate's brother. She knew me as Pastor Ogilek. Seen me online, followed my ministry, she knew me. So when I came to the house, so good to have you, sir. And my sister made me carry her fridge from the car inside. So I'm carrying this girl's fridge because she's my baby sister. And her roommate is so good to have you, sir. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Because there is an audacity that familiarity confers on a person. Do you understand what I'm saying? If my sister comes to my house and does so good to see you, sir, I will be, I'll be very shocked. What do you want? What, what do you want to collect from me now? Because there is an audacity that familiarity comes. Are you, are you with me? Pray with that audacity. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let angels look at you and say, well, it's because God allowed you. Because we, we know, normally we know if you talk like this. Pray with audacity. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you will see a whole president of a nation. President of a nation. <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen things. <laughs> you see a king. Outside is king of all. In the home, he's not even the head of his home. Because he, he, he says he's the head of the homo. But let the wife say no, she say yes. Let's see who will win the argument. <laughs> Audacity because of familiarity. Are you with me? So, all that prayer that you are used to praying, Father, I'm not worthy to come before you. You are correct. But when the person to whom you are coming has chosen to call you worthy, you don't start your prayers like that anymore. You start with, thank you for making me worthy. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how to pray. Many times, we start our prayers with all the Uriki. Everlasting Father, King of Glory, I am that I am the Ancient of Days, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valleys, the Bright and the Morning Star, the Mighty Man of War, El Gibor, El Shaddai, El Jehovah Shadjari, Makadishke, Jehovah Sikenus. We start with all the Oriki because we think that God is pleased. You know that thing? Have you have you gone for wedding before? And then they now sang Oriki for you. You now dropped all the money. Yeah, it happened to one of our pastors. The person is sitting here. <laughs> we we think that that's what happens to God. That when you come to God, say everlasting Father, you say, "What is it, King of Glory? I am that I am. Stop now." <laughs> we think that's how it happens. Listen, there is no name you can call God that pleases him more than Father. None. 
Don't you see it? His El Shaddai, the, the, the not many-breasted one, the one that provides, because he is father. Do you understand? What father will not go to war for his children? That's why he's the mighty man in battle. Because he is father. Are you with me? So no name. No. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you, you can sing those words for your own heart's sake. But don't ever so, say those words as though, don't worry, if I say enough, God will, he will now, amen? See the emperor, the conqueror, the champion, the lion. <laughs> Praise Jesus. You learn to pray with audacity. See, if this thing should, clear, like, just imagine what your prayer would be like. When this knowledge, it's, this mind is in you. When it's time to speak in tongues, you know there are some people that speak in capital letter tongues. It's, it's heavy. You know it's coming from somewhere. I'm not playing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We don't, we don't beg. We're not begging. Say, God, please, if you have two seconds, can I talk to you? Sir? No, no child. No, see. Maybe as you are growing up, and your character have changed. Your father will start treating you somehow. But as a baby, no child says, if you went at your earliest convenience, attend to me. No. The child demands your attention. Are you with me? Whatever you are doing, I am your child. And I need you to listen. I am your. We must understand that this is the access God gave us. Do you, do you, how powerful is it that someone so big, so sovereign, has chosen in his sovereignty to pay attention to you? Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. The writer of Hebrews says, let us come boldly. Say boldly. Holy. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. And I would like to, every time I teach from that scripture, I like to set that scripture in the backdrop of the story in the book of Esther. Where you had a human king who, if his scepter wasn't up and you approach, he would kill you. But we have the king of kings, the one who rules the universe. And all he said, come the picture is he's in his throne room and whenever you want to just badge him, say, Daddy, I need to talk to you. That's how prayer... That, listen, this is the first mindset that must sponsor your prayer. Even before when I pray, where I'm praying, how I'm doing the prayer, the first mindset. Because when you understand this, you have faith. You have faith. You have faith. <laughs> the faith that gives you things in prayer is based on two things. Number one, your understanding of the person's or your knowledge of the person's willingness to do the thing. And number two, your knowledge of the person's ability to do the thing. Are you with me? Good. So it's not just, it's not just in prayer. It's general idea. That's how we ask. Those two things must sponsor um, your requests whenever you're asking anybody for anything. Amen. 
Now, some of you think I have money. I agree with you in Jesus' name. I join my faith with yours. Now, but there's an amount of money that no matter how much money you think I have, you don't think I have that amount of money. Are we together? Uh, so, you would be very ridiculous. Me and say, Poco, please, I don't know if I can see $1 million from your hand. I will give it back to you on Friday. Well, first of all, thank you for believing in me so much. Then I will tell you that when you see a bag, remember me in your paradise. Because I don't have it. I may be willing, but I'm not able. Are you with me? But we know that God is able because he's God. So many times we doubt his willingness. Are you with me? We doubt his willingness. And, and <laughs> you know, a good percentage of your doubt will be solved if you just believe, this person is my father. He has thoughts of good for me. And not of evil. And so even if this thing I'm requesting of him is not something he's willing to give me. He's not willing to give me because he wants to withhold a good thing from me. In fact, his willingness not to give me is the good thing that I need right now. Because he's my dad. Do you have somebody in your life or people in your life that when you have this great thing that you want to embark on or this great idea that you have, you know that I must first talk to this person. If this person approves, I will go ahead. If they disapprove, I will not go ahead. Because I know that their approval comes from a good place, a willingness to help me. Their disapproval comes from the same place. Are you with me? So I will tell them because I know that whatever they ask me to do, they will do it out of, you know, love. Many times when we ask God for things and it looks like God said no to the thing that we asked for. We feel like God is not being fair. Because we don't yet understand the relationship we have with him. Are you with me? That he's... Pray with the audacity that familiarity gives. Praise the Lord. Pray with the audacity that familiarity confers on you. Boldly. Bold. Even when you've done something wrong hmm, and you are coming before God, come boldly. You want to come and say, God, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to do this thing. See, come boldly. Do you hear what I'm saying? Come boldly. Is what he wants. He is pleased in that. So many things that happen online, I don't usually give comments to. Because I genuinely believe that Twitter is not the place for theology. You come to Twitter to drop your opinion and go. And when you're arguing on Twitter, I don't really see the point. Except you can guarantee that the both parties are objective, which I can especially if I don't know you. If it's somebody that I know, I can argue with you because I know you. There's a power relationship that can help me estimate how objective you will be in the conversation. If it's somebody I don't know, if I try to convince you, you say no, I'll tell you it's fine, it's okay. That's the end, I'm, I'm serious. So there was a lady who put up online, you know, um, her opinion was, Singing songs like Zoe, 
is not worship. And I understand what she's trying to say. When we say we want to worship God, we must directly say we are worshiping you. Give him thanks. Give him praise. However, there is an aspect of worship that is singing what God is singing over you. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 7. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17. It says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. So based on the salvation he has given to you, he rejoices over you. Are you with me? And then what does he do? He will rest in his love and he will joy over thee with singing. What is he singing about? The salvation he brought your way. Are you with me? So there is a part of worshipping God that is declaring the works of the Lord in your life. Let me give you a biblical example. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down when we remember Zion. And then you read the rest of that, right? And all they're doing is declaring the works of God in their lives. And that's worship. Are you with me? For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You are my glory and the lifter up of my head. I am declaring the works of God in my life. And that's worship. Are you with me? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil doers assail me, uttering slanders against me, my adversaries and my foes, they will stumble and they will, they will fall. Psalm 27. That's worship. David was worshiping. But how was David worshipping? By declaring the Lord is my light and my salvation. Are you with me? So there is a part of your prayer that comes from a declaration of the work of God in your life. It's also worship. Now, if that is all you do in worship, it's becoming too you-centered. Amen? Amen. But if all you do in worship is you are great, you are merciful, you are kind. Like Psalm 29, ascribe unto the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe ascribe unto the Lord majesty. That's also an aspect of worship. Psalm 29 is worship. Psalm 27 is worship. Psalm 3 is worship. Psalm 23 is worship. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's also worship. Are you with me? Think of it like a, like a father. A father will derive pleasure in his child coming to say, thank you for being a good dad. But another way a father would derive pleasure is in his child using and being everything that he as a father has sacrificed to provide for the child. So you would, many times your father would tell you, don't tell me thank you. The thank you will tell me is by getting an A. Have you heard that before? That's also thanksgiving. It's appreciation. So, two ways we appreciate or worship God is in worshiping Him and also in telling forth His goodness. So, when I lift my voice and say, I have Zoe. Of course, I don't have Zoe because I went to buy it. In fact, the song says, I'm the, I'm the image of the living God. He, he gave me a priceless gift. It's the Holy Ghost. Through Him or through me, God is revealed. I am saved eternally in Christ. That's also worship. 
And that kind of mindset must sponsor our coming before the Lord. So if you've done something wrong and you need to stand before God, don't think that God is pleased with you when you come looking like a servant. Always cast your mind back. This is where I'll end my teaching because I want us to pray. Always cast your mind back to the story of the prodigal son. This young man got up and did what many of you wish you have done, you had done years ago. He walked up to his dad and said, give me my own portion of the inheritance. Some of you are, you are, you are quiet, but many of you, low key, so you know go bad. <laughs> give me my own portion of the inheritance. And the father, who was still alive, the inheritance should be shared after the father is gone. But the father who was still alive, gave him. And so the son's declaration to the father is, as long as I know, you are as good as dead to me. So give me everything that I should collect when you are gone. Are we together? He takes his inheritance, goes to a far country, squanders it on God knows what. God knows what he squandered it on. But he squandered it. And one day, he's sleeping in a pigsty, eating pig food and realizes even the servants in my father's house have more than this. Do you know that he didn't repent because he felt bad? He was still selfish in his repentance. He repented because his current living conditions did not match his previous living condition. So he said, you know what? I would, I would go back to my father. Not because I'm sorry, really. But the servants in his house, they eat better. So let me go and tell him, don't take me back as a son or a daughter. Take me back as one of your hired servants. And so this young man is walking from wherever he was back to his father's home. Thinking to himself, I'll go, I'll say, have you, have you broken plates before in the house? Then you start rehearsing how you explain how the plates broke. Uh, raise your hand if you've done that before. And that's exactly what the young boy was doing. So he's, and you know, in such situations, you will rehearse until you deliver. So you say, so I was washing the plates and then there was oil on this plate. And so he slipped out of my hand. Why did he slip out of my hand? Okay, I was washing the plate. There was oil on the plate, but something now beat me. <laughs> right? So this guy is rehearsing it. Not as a son, not as a daughter, one of your hired servants. Not as a son, not as a daughter, one of your hired servants. He's coming home, his father sees him from afar. And his father runs to him and puts his arms around him. Hugs him, kisses him, puts his ring on his finger, puts a cloth on his back and says, take him inside. My son that was lost is now found. Do you realize he didn't deliver his speech? Because one thing that we haven't learned is that when it comes to sin, it is not you and your sin coming to account and answer to God. It is you and God against that sin. Do you understand? God is more interested in delivering you from the effects of the sin than punishing you for the sin that you... Are you with me? So, so he took away the punishment and put that on Christ. So now just come boldly. Because we, we have work to do. Are you with me?
It'd be the equivalent if you were a teacher and you taught someone something and they didn't get it right. And you said, okay, bring it. Let me see what you do. And they're hiding it from you. You're like, you've already failed. You failed. I'm not trying to fail you more than you have failed. I won't beat you. Just bring it. I need to correct you. So you don't go and fail somewhere else. Is that correct? Say, come boldly. Hallelujah. If there's anything I want to achieve in your life, in prayer, is give you the right mindset of prayer. Praise the Lord. Jesus said to John, he says that he that has seen me has seen, he says that um, in my father's house, there are many mansions. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be with me also. Uh, uh, Philip said, show us the father. Where are you going to? We don't know where you are going to. In later verses, Jesus said, I am in the father. Believe that I am in the Father. So what Jesus was teaching is, the place that I'm going to prepare for you, that where I am, where am I in the Father? So I'm going to prepare a place for you in the Father, that where I am in the Father, you will be with me also. So when Jesus died and was raised from the dead, we came into the Father. We joined his household. This is exactly what John teaches in 1 John, where he says, if anyone, if anyone says he, he, he has no sin, he, he, he's a liar. But if anyone turns away and believes in Jesus, paraphrasing, he says he will have fellowship with us and with the Son, because our fellowship is with the Son. The word fellowship there is the word koinonia. Interestingly, it's the same word that is used to refer to the action between a man and his wife that makes them become one. We have fellowship with him. So Jesus is not some judge away waiting to strike you down. He is your father. When you pray, say, Our my father, my daddy. Oh, I'm not praying from... I, you may have so imagine it's open day in school your dad comes to school to pick you up opens your report card and then he sees that you failed a particular subject he he's chastising you for failing a particular subject then some stranger starts to walk by and is like yousef how could you have failed the subject if your father doesn't do it to you you will do it you say daddy please don't be angry what's your business treat the devil that way you see, because matters of offense to God are family matters. Between the father and his child, the devil is an outsider. He has no say. When he starts to talk, you say, who put your mouth? Stop listening to his lies. That's why many of you don't pray. Many of us don't pray. Because when it's time to pray, the devil tells you, can you open the same, this mouth? We know what you use this mouth to do. The things you said yesterday, a few hours ago. How can you open it to pray? But guess what? It's between my father and I. Stand to your feet. Let us pray. In Circle Church, whenever we do a teaching series on prayer, we take time to pray fervently. Say fervently. We take time to pray fervently. We take time to pray because prayer must be taught in example and in deed. So I've taught you now in example. So it's time to do it in deed. Are we ready? Pray in the language of the Spirit of God.
Pray boldly. Pray in the language of the Spirit of God. Pray boldly. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.